You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Welcome back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you For taking us along with you On your daily grind It's Friday, people Happy Friday uh, we're the Rain Jays, John Corrales, that's me, MassLive.com, Samuel Jamison Packard III. People might also call him Ladies Love Cool Jam. Jam. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I was prepared. I'm like, okay, I got this. Nope. It's fine. No, I didn't you, change it up. You uh, you did that on purpose. It's... Oh, yes, I intentionally <laughs> spoke. Uh, okay, so today... We'll talk a little bit about the Warriors, but not your usual Warriors conversation because that's boring as hell. There was a really, really interesting piece in The Athletic on executives, including Mike Zarin of the Celtics, talking about the trade deadline. We're again, we're going to get into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum taking big steps forward and uh, considering the way the season started. I think they need a little bit more uh, love considering how bad things were for them at the beginning of the season. So we'll give them some of that love. But first, Kyrie Irving, officially an all-star starter, sixth time as an all-star, second straight appearance as a Celtic, second straight start as a Celtic. Hooray! Woo! I don't know what else there is to say about him as a starter. He deserves it. He's awesome. He's, he's been fantastic this year. He's shooting. He's the best guard in the East. So it makes sense. He was absolutely, he was the top fan vote getter. He was the top player vote getter. He was the top media vote getter. He was number one in guards across the board. Uh, it, the more interesting thing to me is that Kemba Walker snuck in as a starter, which is really cool for him. At, it's in his home city or in his. That, oh, what a coincidence yeah. that he makes it in his home city. It's funny you mention those two things are connected. I see what's going on here. It's Frankly, it's too obvious that Kemba Walker ends up an all-star starter inside uh, when the game's in Charlotte. He had a very good like month of the season, and he's been decent ever since. But like, I don't know if he's – like that would be my biggest thing. In the end of the day, it's the all-star game, and it doesn't matter whatsoever. And it's like, oh, good for Charlotte that Kemba Walker's starting the game. But uh, I'm calling shenanigans on this one. Okay. I mean, I had him as an all-star anyway, just in general. Oh, he's an all-star. But I think uh, – well, I guess Old Depot just got hurt. He wouldn't be there. I actually think Ben Simmons probably deserved it more, even though I've uh, slandered Ben Simmons many a time. <laughs> and I'm also just ha- like uh, calling out conspiracy theories, whether or not they're actually there or not. It, this is just – seems too easy. Always fun. It's always fun to do. Well, on the Locked on NBA podcast this past Wednesday, shameless plug, we did, me, 
Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans and Ben Golliver of the Washington Post all chose our All Star teams. My my starter was Bradley Beal. Uh, I thought I I just I'm a big fan of Bradley Beal. So uh, and I don't I don't blame anything that's happening in Washington on him. But no, it's uh the Wizards don't suck anymore now that uh, John Wall's hurt. What a surprise! It's kind of funny. Kind of just interesting how that happens. So, uh, but yeah, it was super interesting that, uh, Kemba Walker got in. I think it's, it's funny because Dwayne Wade was the second leading fan vote getter, but because of the media and the player votes, he got elevated to number two. So, yeah, I like this new system that they have because, uh, nothing makes me more frustrated than Dwayne Wade getting any sense of accomplishment. And so every time I see the fan voting and saw him, uh, in the top two, it was it was frustrating. Now he should uh, not make the team at all, which is uh, you know how it should normally go. I don't I, like. I get the thing about like legacy voting, but no one was like arguing to put Dirk Nowitzki in the uh, All Star game just because he's like so not that good. And I know Dwayne Wade had a great game against the uh, Celtics in Miami, but there's no reason for him to be in this no. game. I mean, he's been it's been okay, but nothing special. So and. It's really interesting because the, the all-star game, it affects legacies. And you know, if you are a former all-star, people will always refer to you. If you made one all-star game, they'll always refer to you as former all-star such and such player. Like that's just how it goes. So uh, giving a guy who's a little bit more deserving the nod in the, in the backcourt is very much, uh, I think, the way it should go. So it was Dwayne Wade's made all of his All Star games. One more, like I, I'd rather have a younger guy who is kind of borderline, like D'Angelo Russell. I think should be an All Star before Dwayne Wade because he's having a really good season. The Nets are uh, uh, like the sixth seed. And and he's been playing well for them. They deserve an all-star. And I'd rather have him be the all-star than give Dwayne Wade another all-star. So that's that's my little take on that. Jason Tatum might also be an all-star. The voting got close for Jason Tatum. The uh, he was the fourth forward. So they do the the backcourt and frontcourt and lineups there. And the front court is uh, Giannis. Uh, who's the other ones? Hold on. Kawhi, Kawhi and, and Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, yeah. But just behind them is Jason Tatum, ahead of Jimmy Butler, ahead of Blake Griffin, ahead of Andre Drummond, Nikola Vucevic, Chris Middleton. So in the voting and all of the voting, the way it added up, and a part of it is because Tatum got a million fan votes and Chris Middleton got 238,000 fan votes, even though like Chris Middleton is more deserving. Vucevic had 256 fan vote, uh, 256,000 fan votes. He's having a much better season. Like he's going to get in over Tatum. But even if the coaches go go down and select other players, the league when they have an injury replacement tends to go down these, this list and say, okay, who's next? Who, when, like, they, they'll they select Victor Oladipo to give him the all-star nod, and then obviously he's not going to play. So it's possible that they might go with Jason Tatum next, or they'll go with the next guard, one or the other, but 
there's an outside chance now, and I didn't think it was going to be this close. There's an outside chance that Jason Tatum is going to make this All-Star game. Congrats, Jason. You are a possible alternate for the 2019 All-Star game. It's, you know, when it's all said and done, if they don't look at possible alternates, they just say, oh, yeah, he was an All-Star that year. That's true if he does make it. But it's a little weird, like, the ranking system they have because, like, they give a player a score based on how they ranked in each of the fan voting, the player voting, the media voting. But then if you look at the media voting, it was like a hundred different people polled and Giannis, Kawhi, and Embiid all got 99 votes. And then three people, one voted for Pascal Siakam, one voted for Vucevic, and one voted for Jason Tatum. (laughs) So that counts as like the first three guys get a number one ranking and Jason Tatum gets a four ranking. But really he was 98 votes behind the other guy. (laughs) Right, right. And I'm kind of shocked that, like, I want to know, do they release the all-star ballots like they do uh, awards voting? Because I would love to know who voted for those three guys, because that's a bold choice to choose any of those three over Giannis, Kawhi, or Embiid. Like, was was Tommy voting? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know how that goes. Like, you got to pick, somebody probably picked, like, Giannis, Kawhi, and, well, you yeah, I guess somebody then you put you put Vooch in. Somebody's gonna like a magic like someone were... who covers the magic clearly voted for Vucevic. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that makes sense. I get I'm yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming that uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know how if they I'm sure they're going to reveal the 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 personal votes. I mean they they've gone they've gone out and done that, but who knows? Um I have no idea. Oh, I do know that Jason Tatum is going to be in the skills challenge. And I do know that he's going to be in the rising stars challenge. So he'll, Oh, here's, here's a, something that someone tweeted at me who sponsors the skill challenge. Is it that G- would be is it Gatorade. The, no, that would be one and only Taco Bell. Oh. So Taco J ah. is performing in the Taco <laughs> Bell skills challenge. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a betting man. And by that, I mean, I bet occasionally, but if there's any time to lay down some money, it's on Taco J and the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. That's, I mean, yeah. Especially if you tell him that uh, the winner gets tacos because then he's he's going to really try hard, I think. I'm waiting for, you know how people are always like in the dunk contest, they're always creating new dunks and doing props and stuff. No one's really spiced up the Skills Challenge at all. So I'm thinking Taco J is just gets pelted with cheese the shredded mexican cheese the entire time and then he really he gets like some style points during the skills challenge because the skills challenge is the most boring of the competitions this is dribbling and passing i don't know why it exists well i think the way to do it would be to have somebody hand him the taco as he's dribbling in for the layup so as he goes up for the layup he's biting the taco and laying it in now see if i was the director of production i'd do that but the pelting of the cheese is really the key thing to me, because man, that guy eats like two and a half bags of craft yeah, per taco. He does. He does. It's it's a very extraordinary amount of cheese, like an unhealthy amount of cheese. Like I'm really concerned about his cholesterol level with the amount of cheese that he eats. But Taco Bell could never list that on their menu because the calories would be insane, and no one would ever order it. No, no. Just be aware that if he comes in and asks for extra cheese, like he means all of the cheese <laughs> in your restaurant. Just the, the big industrial size cellophane bag of cheese that was prepackaged three weeks ago. That's uh, he wants the whole thing. Just throw the taco ingredients in that bag, 
don't bother taking the cheese out of that bag because that's what he wants. All right. Well, speaking of Jason Tatum, we've gone long enough on the All-Star game. We're going to come back after the break, and we'll talk about Jason Tatum and the new wrinkle that he's adding to the game. And then we will, at the same time, well, concurrently or consecutively, Consecutively. Consecutively. Concurrently, if you're having two different conversations at the same time, that'd be no, real spooky. I, I like I like the concurrent thing. Let's try the concurrent thing. All right, I'll talk about Jalen Brown. You talk about Jason Tatum. Yeah, let's try that. After the break, we'll we'll have some kind of conversation about those guys. Stick with us. It's the Lockdown Celtics podcast. interesting that i think uh Jason so the Tatum thing about jalen brown here is his shooting splits for the past four months he's gotten demonstrably better um the kid jay king tweeted it out if you look at october it's a dreaded 360 percent from the field is not working you're right we should do consecutive conversations oh ah, consecutive yeah you know I, i'm better idea i'm not a huge fan of consecutive sentences uh, when it comes to criminal justice, but consecutive conversations clearly are better. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum, I wrote about this on Mass Live, shameless plug, that he has started to drive a little bit more. We, we've all seen it. It's not that it's a big surprise. You talked about it last night on the podcast that sometimes he just feels like, oh, okay, I'm better than everybody. I'm going to just tuck the ball away like a running back, drive through the lane, and then lay it in. And it's the numbers. I, I asked Brad about it after the game. I asked Tatum about it after the game and getting into the numbers. There's not like a clear, like line of demarcation. It's not like since November 26th, when Marcus smart went into the starting lineup, the Celtics are the top ranked offense or whatever. There's no game. Like he had a 12 drive game at, Brooklyn it, it was a loss so the drives don't necessarily correspond with wins directly he hasn't had an uptick in all of the games since then but within that stretch since then he's had a few games where the drive the drives are up from his normal like four or five he's at six he's at seven last night he had nine and uh, I think he is just starting to show from time to time okay, I have to be aggressive. I'm going to start attacking. And it's just a sign of an incremental progress. Kaizen. That's it. That's it. Part of the process of I need to be better at this. And eventually he can be better at driving, which means he can be better at drawing fouls. He's a good free throw shooter, so he will get those free throws, put the other teams in into the penalty. And then eventually – two, three, four steps down the road after he gets into a good space with that, he can start figuring out reading the defense, reading the second help guy, and then kicking, driving kick, and starting getting his assist numbers up. It's probably a process that'll take two, three years even for him to get fully comfortable with all of those powers that he has. But what we're seeing, I think, now, recently – are the first steps in getting to that point in his career. I think it shows just like learning and his ability to, uh, I guess, I think it would just be take criticism, but I feel like Brad Stevens and I guess the Celtics fans in general 
have shamed him enough for the long twos that he's definitely like the pattern he started in the season. And it just feels like he's made a concerted effort to get to the rim. It feels like the whole, the Celtics in general have made a concerted effort to try to draw more from free throws and draw more fouls. Uh, it feels like Kyrie's doing uh, more of it. Jalen Brown did a nice job in the last game, but Tatum, especially he's doing it less on drives, but he's making it just an effort to attack the rim. And that's just like what I think the team needs to do generally if they want to get to the free throw line. But he's always shown in his career. Like I think early on, uh, he was, he wasn't just catch and shooting, uh, when he had open threes and Brad made a point of it in the press. And like all of a sudden Jason Tatum started to catch and shoot threes and he was a uh, shot 45% and it was great. He's shown an ability to kind of like quickly make changes during the season and kind of adjust in a way that I think will definitely be beneficial for his career. Um, he clearly hasn't made like a giant leap uh, this year, like we all expected after his first um, first amazing season. But he that steady progress, that ability to kind of focus in and like make better decisions, I think is one of the reasons why he's just going to continue to get better. And yeah, the like Tatum length was a thing. He has the, some of the longest arms, uh, and he's has this ability to finish around players that. Uh, not many people have. He has, he has Giannis-like arms. Definitely not fully Giannis because that guy's insane. He's literally a freak. But Tatum, uh, his finishing around the way is just you need to get to the rim. You need to get to the free throw line. And, and so it's much better than the mid-range two. Soon he just needs to be shamed into uh, to drawing the three and uh, or drawing the three fouls or just uh, taking that sidestep. But it's, I like the Kaizen of it. I like the incremental progress. It's perfect. Yeah, look, I, I think he's he's – he started out this season. It's, it's all been part of trying to figure out who he is. I really do think that he came into the season, that Mamba mentality. Like we joked about it, but I do think there was a little bit of that. He, Kobe Bryant is his hero. Like he literally his basketball hero. And he, after a rookie season that ended with them being basically one bad quarter away from getting to the NBA finals, he goes out and starts working out with his basketball idol. And I think that he started to be like, Hey, I'm Kobe Bryant out there. I really do think that there was some level of that. So it takes a little while for him to figure things out. And sometimes these young players, you don't make these steps forward. Like we think they're going to make, like we as observers, get into these bad habits of like, oh, he was this this year. So next year, he will obviously take this step forward. And there's no room for a step back. So Tatum, I think, has has started to show a, a, a little bit of the, okay, I, I'm, I'm starting to do some of the things that I know I need to do, and I'm doing I'm doing them a little bit better. That he's, he's playing a little bit more than he did last year. He's shooting three more shots per game than he did last year. He's not shooting quite as well, although he shot 43% from three last year, and it's just a little bit different, and it's tough to keep that up. He's shooting almost 38% this year, and somehow that it feels disappointing. Um, but his his overall numbers are pretty good. They're still pretty good, and... Heck, he could even be an all-star. He might even be an all-star. Jalen Brown is another guy that definitely he won't be an all-star. <laughs> he's not going to be an all-star, but he's a guy that falls into that same thing that he came in a very similar thing. Like he had a great playoff run. He was one of the reasons why they got that far. He comes out, he's working out with T-Mac and 
he comes in thinking, look at me, I'm going to be the man. And he was most affected by these changes in Boston, and he struggled out of the gate. And a lot of us blamed him for a lot of what was happening, and he deserved a bunch of that blame. But now it's time to look at what he's doing uh, over the past couple of months. His net rating in January is over 14. It's second only to Marcus Smart in January. He's been shooting extraordinarily well from three. He's he's back up to uh, almost 40% uh, uh, from three over the past uh, month or so. It's It's just the progression for these guys is not linear. It's not the 45 degree angle straight up arrow on the chart. It's, it's up and down. It looks like a stock market chart that you, sometimes he has bad stretches and sometimes he has good stretches. And all you can hope for is at the end of that next good stretch, he's a little bit higher than he was at the end of the last good stretch. And eventually he'll become uh, a, a little bit more consistent as he gets older. Yeah, Jay King tweeted out his shooting splits by month, and it's interesting. So in the month of January, he's up to 43% from three, which is clearly his best month because in December he's around 21%. But that's what you need Jalen Brown to be, and that's like where he has the potential. It's no surprise, and he mentioned it. It's like comes with his uh, hand getting healthy and not having to wear a, a, a glove on his hand. But what's interesting, in December he actually had a better all-around field goal percentage than he does uh, did in January I mean, it's 49% versus 48%, but still better in January, which means he's like in December, he was like apparently just taking better twos. Now I feel like he's feeling it more, feeling the shot more, and is, is kind of a more, a more willing shooter. He's definitely been very aggressive, and I like his ability to get the line, but um, I'd like him to improve from the free throw line, which he has uh, in the season as well, but he's still only a 70% shooter from the line. Um, but, uh, Improving at the free throw line and taking less fadeaways in the paint, uh, I think Jalen Brown like can he can kind of zen it too and still uh, keep getting better. I think it's been a bit of him to kind of he had to deal with basically going from starting in the playoffs uh, to accepting this bench role and trying to like how to figure that out. And we've seen like that like clearly from Terry Rozier that it's like a different approach, is a different mentality. And so, um, and Jalen Brown's talked a lot about how he's like kind of gets too much in his head sometimes. So I can imagine there's this like a huge mental adjustment and having to come back to the bench, but clearly he's gotten better. And I think, I mean, the whole Celtics have, are, are playing better and are passing uh, more effectively and creating better shots, but it's just nice for the young guys. So maligned uh, by fans and by Kyrie Irving himself uh, are clearly <laughs> stepping up, uh, stepping up uh, as the season progresses. As, I mean, a five, uh, five game win streak and a 10 game winning streak at home, like helps all players. And it's like, what's that famous saying that uh, more water is good for all the boats. Uh, rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. I like my version better. Yeah, I like that. More water raises all, but I like that. Just, just add, add water. Just add water. Yeah, it's, uh, water. It's good for the boats. Yes. Um, okay. So that's the love for Jalen Brown. That's the love for Jason Tatum. Just, I got love for one more guy before we go to a break. Ooh. I didn't know if you caught uh, GQ magazine uh, came out today, but <laughs> Semi Ojale was featured in it for his great nutrition uh, and his thick Jack frame. And he mentioned uh, knowing of the Ojale factory. And he's just like some Boston fans keep uh, came up with that. It was just, it was a fantastic read. It's just about how much of an ox this guy is. And it, the, my favorite line is that, they were talking about like, oh, when did you start lifting? Like, how did you get so much stronger than everyone? He's like, 
Well, some people took days off. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's badass. That's the OJ factory running 24-7. Yeah, uh, since he was 13. Yeah, and he was just like, yeah, just focused on lifting, just always getting a lift in. I was like, oh, no wonder, Sam, you don't have any muscles. <laughs> you never focused on getting a lift in. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the Ogilvy Factory. He's uh, he he's he's a very big man. Uh, my favorite thing was him describing the Aaron Baines shake that looks like poop. <laughs> it looks like dew, I believe. Yeah, it was, the, called, was yeah. the exact quote. It looks like dew. It looks <laughs> not like even dew dew, just dew, yeah, just dew. Apparently, it's got hemp in it. What? Is, I mean, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Hemp and other hippie stuff. Yeah. So really. What is Baines eating every morning? I know he's a big kombucha fan, which has alcohol in it. Someone's someone's got to get this guy a pee test. What's going on over there? Do, no, do not. <laughs> what are you nuts? Oh, no. I mean, uh, uh, just a casual pee test with no implications, <laughs> just so we know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that was fun. That was fun. All right, can I take a break now? You can. You may. Great. So when we come back, a little bit of an inside look at the NBA front office and Warriors storylines coming up next. But first, if you've got a smart speaker, remember, you can wake it up and ask it to play this podcast. Just wake it up and say, play podcast and then locked on Celtics. Very simple. I've seen it work. It's very cool. It starts off wherever you're doing. You could be in the middle of cooking and you could just say, hey, I want to listen to this podcast. You wake it up you say, play podcast. Locked on Celtics or whatever, and off you go. So do that, and we're coming right back on the Locked on Celtics podcast. In The Athletic, not written by Jay King. This one's written by Sam Amick. It is a great story. It's called Execs Unplugged. A behind-the-scenes look at the real NBA trade deadline. Uh, Mike Zarin of the Celtics, who is basically Danny Ainge's right-hand man, you can see him at Celtics games wearing a vintage green Celtics jacket and pumping his fist at everything good. He always changes into the jacket from like a nice suit and then changes back into a suit. It's a, it's yeah. a great tradition. He's a lifelong Celtics fan. He's also really a big part of the brains of the Celtics front office. And there are, he just has this great, he's one of three people who spoke uh, to Sam Amick about the trade deadline. And in general, the gist of the story is that everything you thought you knew about the trade deadline. No, it doesn't exist that these guys have conversations that have lasted for gone for years. One of the takeaways for me is these guys talk all the time. They talk all the time, and every time they talk, everything that they talk about goes into a database. And every time they talk again, they pull up the database and they figure out, these are the conversations we had about this player. These are our goals, and you, you continue to have these conversations. Those do run concurrent, not consecutive. They run concurrent with conversations that are have, being had around the league. And Zarin says, of the biggest misconception is – and I'm reading directly from this. There, the biggest thing for me is the idea that there's some list of players on the trading block. Most of the conversations you have with teams are all are about all of their guys, and there isn't some list of guys you're trying to trade and a list of guys you're not. 
it's so much more frequent, so much more frequently about just trying to figure out what deals there are to do to make your team better. And I feel like the world often views the teams as deciding to trade a guy or not and then figuring out what they can get. So the gist of that is they don't say, oh, I want to trade Marcus Morris. Let's see what I can get from Marcus Morris. It's part of an ongoing conversation where everybody's kind of in play. Everybody's had this discussion. And if what you want to do matches what somebody else wants to do, then that discussion goes to the next level. That, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. It's just like, it sounds like they talk about every single player in the, in the league. And, um, later in the article, I, I had read this about 30 seconds ago, but he's talking about how he, he asked about LeBron James every year and just as, you know, as a goof. So they could say sources say Heat and Celtics have discussed LeBron, but it sounds like they're just like constantly on the phones like, Oh, what about this guy? Huh? Just poking and prodding with every single player. And then sometimes you'll get a reaction and go, okay, what do we have to get up to get this player? Because we, we kind of like him. And it sounds like a, a hectic but fascinating process. Yeah. And so, and it's, uh, I like that Zarin, uh, like opened up and actually made himself available for his articles. I don't think he's like the most forthcoming of, uh, press. I mean, I don't really, like, compared to any other assistant GM in the league, I've heard the most quotes from him by thinking that's the Celtics fan in me. Cause I don't know if I would care about any other assistant GM, but he's not the guy who's like really out there in the press. So uh, like, I thought it's awesome just to kind of give this like behind the scenes look. Yeah. The, the best part here is, and it's, I'm sure somebody's going to aggregate this and we, I'm not, but he says, uh, we've little, we have literally thousands of trade conversations for each trade that happens, but most of those are like, let's check back in a week. Uh, then blah, blah, blah. I've talked to 10 teams in the last week about trades, and I don't think there's been a Celtics trade rumor out this week. There, They were all serious conversations, but how close to, to a trade did we get? Not very. So and that's to say not that they've discussed 10, 10 different trades and, oh, my God, they're trying to trade with 10 different teams. It's that part of the business of running a team is, in the past week, there's 10 different conversations that you've had, and they're all serious. Like, yeah, you know, we're, we're open to blah, 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 and what are you open to? And you have a, an honest-to-goodness conversation. And But that doesn't mean that you go anywhere. It doesn't mean that you're actively trying to trade somebody. It's that that's part of doing business, and it's a really interesting look at the front office. It goes on for a long time. He talks about the Isaiah Thomas trade from Phoenix being done in a matter of 35 minutes. It talks about being on trade calls for eight hours. It's, it's a fascinating look at the trade, uh, the business of the trade deadline. And, and one thing that I've learned just from my short time on the beat is that the NBA really is nothing like people think it is because the business side of it changes everything everything about the sport and it's not anywhere near what you think college basketball or high school basketball or aau basketball or any of that stuff if you've played it if you've watched it if you enjoy it the nba is nothing like that because the money the business element player movement player free agency player trades all of that stuff it just changes the entire dynamic of the league, and it is so far from what you think it is. It's really, really interesting stuff. Okay. Warriors, Saturday. This is the Friday podcast, so 
Saturday for tomorrow for most of you. The Warriors come into town, 8.30 p.m., late start. Jam, you, this was your idea, so go ahead. And- yeah, I just wanted to play a little uh, – we're going to be some genies here and try to predict storylines because it's the NBA season, a long season. We're in the middle of January. Everyone knows the season doesn't start till after the All-Star break. Of course. Uh, and so really this game does not matter that much in the long run. Like this game isn't – like I don't think it will have any impact um, on the actual season. But it will impact the narratives. So I wanted to try and predict the narratives based on the different results. Because I can see if the Celtics come in and win on Saturday night, the first storyline on every podcast Monday morning on the jump, on first take, uh, is going to be, are the Celtics the best team in the East? Do the Celtics legitimately have a chance to beat the Warriors? And I could also see the complete opposite of the spectrum. If the Warriors come in and like thump the Celtics by 20, which I could see very well happening because it's the Warriors. The storylines are the Celtics for real. Are the like, do the Celtics just need to punt till next year? Like, should they immediately trade Terry Rozier? Uh, because they're not going to get anything back for them. So I was curious what you thought the, if, uh, the potential storylines are based on, uh, different scenarios in the Warriors game. Cause I can see, uh, those two, but there, are, there is some middle ground. Like what happens if the Celtics lose, but it's like on a on a last second shot to the uh, Steph Curry? If the Celtics lose a close game, then the narrative is that the Celtics, regardless if it's a win or if it's a close loss, the narrative becomes the Celtics are built to match up well with the Warriors like that. This is a, this is a playoff team. They're, they're built for the finals. They're the only team that can take down the Warriors. That, that That's it. it. You, the, the, you will hear conversations on all of the national shows. You know, you say what you want about the Boston Celtics. I don't know if they're going to get there, but if they do get there, they're a problem for the golden state warriors because they match up. Well, that's number one. And then they would say, well, and the, like, the national people would finally start to notice. It's like ever since Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris entered the lineup, their net rating, they've had the best net rating in the league. You have to watch out for these Celtics. And so no one's going to bring that up uh, absent this big win. But as soon as it happens, all of a sudden, everyone has uh, believed in the Celtics ever since they made this change in the starting lineup. The next thing is, now it depends on what Kyrie does, but I assume for the Celtics to have a shot at beating or coming close to the Warriors, Kyrie's going to have an awesome game. And then the other storyline is Kyrie Irving built for the moment. And now also, if Kyrie Irving has a big game with, you know, another 30 point, eight assist, however many steal, rebound, whatever a game, that's when Kyrie for MVP really starts to get a little bit of buzz. And we'll get into that conversation that Jay and I had a couple of shows ago where it's like, I'm not saying he's the MVP, but I'm not saying, but he's, he's a top five candidate the MVP. You know what I'm saying? You know? So yeah, those, those two things are arm in arm. The storylines, if the Celtics win or if the Celtics almost win. And it's like that scenario. If Now, what do you think it is if the Celtics get blown out? I mean, I think that it's like these guys are jokers. 
uh, Gordon Hayward, they have never learned to play together. The young guys haven't learned. There's been strife on this team for years. They've been pretenders. They can't even be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. It's like it feels like a lot swings on the game just based on like the like what comes out of it. Because I feel like everyone's just oh I don't know. It could be that, or it could just be it, the Warriors are a special example because they're literally adding boogie, and it could just be the Warriors are unfair. The season is stupid. They have ruined the NBA. There's no reason to play whatsoever. Uh, because they just have reached that kind of level of destruction. So I don't know if it would be so much pro-Warriors or it would be anti-Celtics like these guys are pretenders. Well, why not a little of both? Yeah, I think I nationally, the, the nationally the story would be more about the, how great the Warriors are. Locally, it's about, oh, my God, these the Celtics need to do something because they're not ready to compete. If they get if they get smoked, then uh, th- that might be some of, the, some of the conversation. Now, the Warriors, I'm watching – on uh, the background, just beat the Washington Wizards, but only by eight, 126-118. If that's the scenario, now that was a game where Washington, I think, led early, and then Golden State came back and took a lead, but the, the, the Wizards kept it close. In that scenario, we might get a storyline like, the Celtics are tantalizingly close. If that scenario plays out, the one that we just saw against the Wizards, and the Celtics are good, but not quite that good then we might start getting into the gordon hayward storylines i wouldn't be shocked to see the gordon hayward is the missing piece the the celtics were good they almost got there and now they're still waiting for gordon hayward and i think you start seeing the gordon hayward getting his once he figures it out this changes the entire dynamic of the next meeting he could also have a big impact if he has like a decent game 15 20 points in the Celtics win and it's like I could see that same narrative being like he's not there yet but he's the key to the Celtics taking down the Warriors right right I think I think there's a very strong potential of Gordon Hayward storylines to come out of that maybe either way I think regardless of how this thing goes you're going to start seeing the focus on Gordon because because that's going to be his his really big I mean this is not just ESPN this is yeah, this is basketball on ABC. ABC. Yeah. So basic now, cable. Not oh networks. Yeah, this is free TV. This is everybody gets a look. So it just reaches a different level. Um, I feel like there's going to be some scrutiny, some extra scrutiny on him, and then it depends. See, there's always going to be you know a, a weird storyline depending on if. Al Horford is good or not, if Terry Rozier is good or not, Tatum, Brown, those guys, you know, you could have a scenario where the bench plays well and the starters some, somehow don't, and it's, who knows. But I think those are the main storylines that, that we've laid out there. I'm just ready for Sunday morning where it's like nothing we talked about whatsoever. is like, yeah. Daniel Tice at 35? <laughs> <laughs> I will, this is where I make a stupid guarantee and say, I guarantee he will not have 35, and if he does, I'll eat a shoe. Oh, Abby, I'll eat a shoe with you if Daniel Tice <laughs> scores 35 points. <laughs> I'll split a shoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty confident in that. In fact, he, he well, he might get minutes. He might get minutes. But Okay, who, which player not named Kyrie? And I'll throw in Jason Tatum. You can't choose those two, but which player do you think is most likely to score 35 points uh, against the Warriors? 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Marcus Morris. I think he's gonna get like you have a scenario where Kyrie draws a lot of attention, Al Horford draws a lot of attention, Smart does some crazy shit, and then all of a sudden Marcus hits like eight threes in the game and just goes nuts. So that that would be my choice. I have a similar scenario, but for uh, trying to just rein in chaos theory here, I think it's Marcus Smart, and he goes something like ten of twelve from deep, uh, and like that's how God. that's how it works out. Just because Marcus Smart is an agent of chaos, and if anyone's going to score thirty five, it's got to be him. One of the Marcuses, the Mark I. I'm I'm all in. Uh, the I, I like the Smart scenario so much better. God, that would really just people would lose their minds if that happened. I'll eat a shoe if that happens too. <laughs> <laughs> but like a delicious shoe, like not like some radial shoe, like a new one that we can kind of like a new Kyrie. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll talk about it on the Monday podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this Friday podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it enough to subscribe. If you're a new listener, as always, thank you to the new listeners. Really appreciate you guys sampling us. Hope you really enjoyed the show. Regular listeners, five-star rating, good review, and share the podcast. Spread the word. Tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah,